Good morning. Today's learning is Ba'ilui Nishmas, my grandfather, Moshe Aaron ben Menashe Yaakov, the is today. We are on Kape Amadeh's four lines in the bottom. The Reish Galusa had an Avarnika in his orchard. Rashi says Avarnika is a big tree that nobles plant to sit in its shade and had benches under it, like picture 128 in the Parish Chai. And it was in an orchard which was more than a base asayim and was not Bukapudira. It was not originally enclosed for purposes of habitation. The Reish Galusa said to Rakhuna Barchinina, the Avid Martakanta, don't fix it. So that tomorrow we can eat bread there. So he wanted him to fix this carpet so that they would be allowed to carry there. Azal Avad Kane Kane Pachot Mishosha. Rakhuna Barchinina went and he made uh, <coughs> reeds post less than three talking from each other so that they were lovely to each other. Rashi gives two explanations. The first explanation of Rashi is right here in the Gemara. The second explanation of Rashi is on Chavvavah and Aleph, in the middle-sized line, he says, In Shuvah I found a different explanation, and it's very good in my eyes. So the first explanation Rashi gives is, like picture 129 in Perish you see the uh, enclosed area, which is the orchard, it doesn't, you don't see all the trees in it, except for in the middle, you see the avarnika, the big tree with the benches under it, and the Puna Bachinina enclosed a small area of it to store their food for tomorrow and have a guard sleep there, theoretically, thereby converting it into a into an orchard which is Hukapudira, it's enclosed for habitation. Somebody's going to sleep there. So that was theory of Rahuna Barakhinna. And the second explanation of Rashi is like picture one thirty seven in the Parish Chai, that what Rahuna Barakhinna did was to enclose a path from the door of the Rash Halusa's house uh, through the orchard to the Avarna. He took posts in both cases he took posts and put them less than three talking apart so they'd be lovely to each other in order to make a chitza, either for the enclosure where the guard would sleep or for this path leading to the Avarna. Mark continues, Azza Rava, turning to Ahmed Allah, Shalfinahu, Rava came and took them away. According to the first explanation of Rashi, Rava took them away because he did not agree that that suitably turns the orchard into being Mukafudira, for reasons we will discuss. And according to the second explanation, he took them away because he did not think they were necessary, because he felt that the fact that there was this tree with seating under it was sufficient to make it Mukafudira. According to the first explanation of Rashi, he took them away to be strict and prohibit carrying there. And according to the second explanation, he took them away because he didn't think it was necessary in the first place. He thought that the entire orchard was already permitted to carry. Rapapa and Rapuna Brader of Yeshua went and took the posts away so that nobody could put them back up. The next day, Ravina asked Akasha to Rava, according to the first explanation of Rashi, all of these Akashas are going to be to support what, what Rava did in taking them away, say, it's also to carry there. And according to the second explanation of Rashi, all of these Akashas that we're going to have are going to be to say, oh no, 
we made a mistake. Uh, we should not have hidden the posts because really they are necessary. So eighth day, Ravina the Ravashi, so the Rava, rather, Ravina, Eshakasha the Rava, Ir Chagasha, Mordivin Lam Yeshivata, Yeshana Mechomata. When you're measuring the 2,000 amos of a, of Chom Shabbos, if it is a new city, you measure from the houses. If it is an old city, you measure from the wall. Even if it's a walled city, but if it's a new city, you measure from the houses, not from the wall. And if it's from an old city, you measure from the wall. What is a new city and what is an old city? A new city means that the wall was built before the houses were built. Uh, so, in that case, the wall is not hukafadira, and therefore the wall doesn't count. It's not significant. Yeshana, if it's an old city, yeshva ulasofukva. And what's an old city? A city that was first inhabited and later they built a wall around it. So the wall was built to protect the houses. It was hukafadira. So what do you see? You see that if it's hukafadira, the wall is significant. And if it's not hukafadira, the wall is not significant. And this orchard, where the the according to the first explanation of Rashi, where he built a inhabitation, uh, a, a dwelling after the orchard was already was already walled, and according to the second explanation, it's the uh, Abarnaki itself <clears throat> that was put there after it was already walled. It's like a city that was walled first and inhabited later. And therefore, the wall is of no significance. And therefore, you're not allowed to carry there. So, Amalei Rapapa the Rava, and Rapapa said to Rava, another kasha to support that some kind of fix was needed. The mechitzos of construction workers that they put up to shade themselves while they're working are not called mechitzos. Alma. Since they're only put up for temporary uh, covering for tzniyos, but they're going to take them down when the, tomorrow when the construction is done, so they're not not considered mechitza. So too, this this uh, wall that Rahuna Barchinna made was not made for really living in. It was made temporarily, not a mechitza. The Amar Ravuna, or the Bach's Yersa is just Amar Le Ravuna, greater of Yeshua the Rava. The Amar Ravuna, Mechitza, Siyah Lenachat, Loshma Mechitza. A Mechitza, which is made Lenachat, Rashi says that not to live inside, just to guard something, is not a Mechitza. The Harava Baravua, Ma'arev Lelekula Mechoza, Arsiyata, Arsiyata. And how do we know that? Because Rava Baravua would make an Erev, for Machosa by neighborhood. Yishom Pera de Torah, because they were separated by big ditches for storage. In between the neighborhoods, there were big ditches where they would store date pits for oxen to eat. And the city was not walled, but they would make a machitza to protect these pits, of, a machitza around the Mavos to protect the, uh, the pits from, the, I guess, from wild animals. So the the walls that at the end of the mavos that protected the pit from wild animals were made for protection of stuff, not for living in. And you see that it's not considered lechitza for purposes of carrying. The reish said about them: they're all wise men 
when it comes to prohibiting things, but to do good, they don't know how to do. According to the first Rashi's first explanation that Rava held it was Usser, and they were all coming to court to Rava, it's a little hard to understand why the Gemara ends with telling us Lashon Hara about that, that the Rosh Galusa said, uh, yeah, you know, these rabbis, they know how to say things are also, and they don't know how to say things are mutter. Unless he's coming to tell us something bad about the Rish Halusa himself. According to the second explanation of Rashi, I think it's easier to understand, because according to the second explanation of Rashi, Rava took away the Mechitza because he held it wasn't necessary. And the next day on Shabbos, these Talmidim, and, and these Talmidim before Shabbos, hid the post so that no one could put them back, and then they themselves came and said, you know what? We did the wrong thing. Those posts were necessary, after all. And and here are all the proofs that you can't carry there. So they gave, essentially gave Rava bad advice. Uh, and the Gemara is not criticizing Rava, according to Rashi, according to the second explanation of Rashi, it's just criticizing the Papa and Rahuna Breda of Yeshua, who should have remembered yesterday. Why did they remember on Shabbos? They should have remembered before Shabbos, so that something could then be done about it. A little easier to understand the Gemara's criticism, uh, according to the second explanation, I think. We said in the Mishnah that Rabbi Eli said three things in the name of Rabbi Eliezer, and then couldn't find a friend to support him who also heard these three things from Rabbi Eliezer. So one of them was that the a enclosed area can be up to a Beit Kur, even a Beit Kur, which is 30 Seah. And the second one has to do with somebody who forgot to participate in the Eruv. We'll discuss that shortly. And the third one has to do with Mara. The Gemara says, Amar Bilai, Shamatim Rabbi Eliezer, Afilu Beit Kur, Ma'nitim Deloka Hananya. Our Mishnah is not, not like Hananya. The Tanya Hananya Omer, Afilu He Arvaim Seah. But Hananiah says, even if it's 40 seah, like the courtyard of the king, and Rabbi Eli said, Bekor, which is 30 seah. So our Mishnah is not like Hananiah. I'm Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says they both darshan from the same Pasuk Shemah. And it says, regarding Yishayahu Hanavi, after he visited Chizkiah Hamela, who was sick, by he Yishayahu Loyata Chaser HaTichona, Tiv, Ha'ir, Uprinan Chaser. Pasuk says, and it was right after Yishayahu had just gone out to the Chatser HaTichona, the middle Chatser. It's written Ha'ir, and it's read Chatser. You see that the courtyards of the king were equal to small cities. Rashi says that this Yisterita Shomelachim must be a back courtyard where they, where they go for walk. Otherwise, it would have said a chaser chitzona, the outer courtyard. This must be a backyard, and they would go for walks there, which makes it enclosed for dira. The ma'asim is for So, what are Rabbi Eli and Hanania arguing about? Ma'asavar erotin uniyot hapin beikur. Rabbi Eli holds that a medium-sized city is a beikur, thirty an area of thirty seah. Ma'asavar men seah avyan and Hananya holds that a medium-sized city is 40 seah. Yishayahu my by Hassan. What did Yishayahu want in the backyard? What was he doing there? Amar Rabba Barbachana, Amar Yochanan, Ramei Shechalah Chizkiah. Rabba Barbachana said that Rabbi Yochanan said that teaches that Chizkiah was sick. Balach Yishayahu Roshiv Yishivah Vipah. Yishayahu went and established the Yeshiva at the door to learn the Rufor Shlema for Chizkiah. Yitan, Tamid Chacham Shechalah Shemoshim Yishivah Vipah. You see that when a Talmud Chacham is sick, then you establish a yeshiva at his door. You see here, in a, a concept of learning for a chola, rather than davening for a chola, although this was before 
the book of Tehillim existed in the form that we have it, so maybe it's not a proof. But in any event, Gemara says, you see that in the time of the Sif, you should establish a yeshiva at his door. Gemara says, that's not right. Because maybe when the Tamir Chachamim fight with each other, it will bring the Satan closer and endanger the Cholet. The, there's a commentary printed in the back of the Vilna Shas called Hagos of Eliezer Moshe Harwit, and he explains this Gemara. He doesn't ask this question, but there's an, an implied question here, which is, Yishayahu Hanavi did something, and the Gemara is saying it's not a good idea, just like we can't argue with the Gemara, how can the Gemara argue with Yishayahu Hanavi? We have no conception, we have no conception of the greatness of the Amorai, let alone the greatness of Yishayahu Hanavi. So, he suggests, Rav Eliezer Moshe Harwit suggests that in Yishayahu Hanavi's time it was okay, because at that time there was not yet Machlokas in learning. He says that there were not yet so many students that they couldn't learn properly, which is what causes Machlokas, and therefore the learning there would not bring the Satan. But Gemara is only saying that our learning, which is so full of Machlokas, because there are so many students that they don't learn properly, don't get educated properly, and end up arguing with each other, therefore it will bring the Satan. Gemara is not arguing with Yishayahu, it's saying this is not good advice for us. It was good advice in Yishayahu's time, in, in time the first place of Megash, but it's not good advice for us. Mama, what about the concept that uh, that's how you arrive at the proper conclusion by discussion before? That, that's only if you had a question in the first place. In those days, they had a clear tradition. They had a clear Masora. A shear consisted of, here's the Pasuk. Moshe Rabbeinu said this. It means that. Move on to the next Pasuk. They did not have questions like we have, which, which necessitated debates and arriving at a clear conclusion. Okay. We will learn when we get to Masechet Chagiga about the first Machlokas. Rav Ruben Magalias says, it's not the first Machlokas that ever existed, but it's the first Machlokas that was not resolved by the end of the day. And that has to do with, with uh, doing smicha on a carbon on Yamto. But before that time, the way Rav Ruben Magalias explained, for the time of the early second day Semegdash, every discussion, every question that arose was resolved by, in the yeshiva that very day. And they never went to sleep with a question or with a machloket. Okay, thanks. The Gemara continues, quoting the next part of the Mishnah. I also heard from Rabbi Eliezer that if one person in the Chatzah forgot to contribute to the Eruv, and here the Eruv means the bread of the Eruv, because one of the parts of the Eruv is that everybody contributes to a common loaf of bread or box of matzah, so that they are all considered one household. And Rabbi Eli quoted Rabbi Eliezer as saying that if one person forgot to contribute, and then he nullified his ownership to everyone else, so it is prohibited to carry from his house. He is prohibited, I'm sorry. He is prohibited to carry from his house into the chutzpah, but they are permitted to carry from his house into the chutzpah. Rashi explains that the discussion is only about his house. He is allowed to carry from their house into the chutzpah because he's treated as their guest. When he's Mavato, his Rishos, he nullifies his ownership for Shabbos. It doesn't mean that he doesn't own it anymore. He does own it. But he nullifies 
his ownership right for Shabbos, and they become permitted to carry from his house into the hut there because his house becomes the property of everyone, and he can carry from their house into the hut there because he becomes their guest. It's only his own house that he cannot carry from into the hut there because doing so would effectively assert ownership and nullify his nullification. The Gemara said, that's not. Well, we learned in the Mishnah, says that his house is prohibited to carry in and out of for him and for them. said that Rav said, not a Our Mishnah is talking about Rav Eliezer, and that other Mishnah is the opinion of Rav says, if you wish, you could say, according to Rashi, it was Rakshashit who said this. If you wish, you could say, in other words, it's a tentative statement. It seems to be the case that according to Rakshashit, when you nullify your Rishus in the Chatser, you are automatically nullifying your shus in your house as well. The Rabbanan, and according to the Rabbanan, when you revatel your shus in the chatzar, you are not revatel your shus in your house. Mar says, Shita, what do you mean it's a tentative statement? It seems that if you want, you can say, it's obvious that that's the case. Because Rabbi Eliezer says that if he's Mavato, his Rishos, the other people in the Chatzar can carry from his house into the Chatzar and, and back. So obviously he was Mavato, his house. And Rabbanan say the other people in the Chatzar cannot carry from his house into the Chatzar and back. Obviously he was not Mavato, his house. Amra Chava, the Rechava said, according to another version, it's Rava, Ana Verahuna Bachinana Targima. I and Rahuna Bachinana will explain, Targimna, rather, will explain, Lo Nitzacha Elo Chamishash Shurim Bachatzer Achat, Vishachach Echad Mehen Velo Ire. It's necessary, the Kishatim Siloma, Rakshashat's statement, according to Rashi, is necessary for a case where there are five people living in the Chatzer, there are five houses in the Chatzer, and one of them forgot to participate in the Eru, and he nullified his Rishos to one of them, one of the other members. So, according to Rabbi Eliezer, it's not necessary to be Mavatel to everyone, because Rabbi Eliezer holds the Ayin Yafahu Mavatel, he's Mavatel with a good eye. When he nullifies his Rishos, he nullifies it generously. So, if he nullifies it to one, he means to nullify it to all. Otherwise, it's a pointless act. And similarly, when he nullifies his Rishos, he means to nullify his house also. That's according to Rabbi Eliezer. The Rabbanan, according to Rabbanan, according to Rabbanan, we do not say a person nullifies his Rishos generously, and therefore we require him to go over to each of the five households in the Chatzar, or the other four households in the Chatzar, if he's one, if he's one of the five, and say, I am the vassal of my Rishos to you. And just as we require that, because we don't assume he's nullifying generously, so too, when he nullifies his Rishos, he is not nullifying his house. Or maybe I should have said that the other way around. Just like the Rabbanan holds when he nullifies his Rishos, he's not nullifying his house, so too they hold he's not nullifying generously, and therefore he needs to 
individually nullifies. According to Rabbi Eliezer, who holds that when he nullifies his rishus, he is nullifying his house. He's nullifying generously the ayin yafa, and therefore, if he nullifies to one, we interpret it as if he nullifies to all, and he doesn't have to go over to each of them separately. Mara continues, Kiman Azva Hajitanya, like whom does the following price go? There are five people in one chatzer, and one forgot and did not make an arrow. It doesn't mean five people in the chatzer. It means there are five houses opening to the chatzer, belonging to five different people. And one of them forgot and did not contribute to the arrow. When he is mavatel, his rishos, he does not need to be mavatel to each of them individually. Keman to Rabbi Eliezer. That's like Rabbi Eliezer. As I just explained, just like Rabbi Eliezer holds that he's mavatel ayin yafa, and when he nullifies his rishos in the chaser, he's nullifying his rishos in the house as well. So too, he's nullifying ayin yafa generously, and when he's mavatel to one person, he's mavatel to all. Rav Kahana matnihachi. Rav Kahana learned as we just learned. Rav Tavyume matnihachi. Rav Tavyume learns as follows, as is coming up. Taman Like whom is the Brisa that says that there are five people living in a Chatzar, that is, their houses open to the Chatzar, and one of them forgot and did not contribute to the Eru, when he nullifies his Rishos, he does not need to nullify to all Shimon, who is that like? Amr of Hunabar Yehuda, Amr of Sheshit, of Hunabar Yehuda said, and of Sheshit said, Shimon to Rabbi Eliezer, it's like Rabbi Eliezer. In other words, according to Rav Kahana's version, Rav Sheshit made a statement, Kishatim Silomar, and Rav Hunabar Chinina, and Rechava, or Rava, depending on your Yersa, explained the statement, and according to Rav Tavyume's version, Rav Sheshit himself is the one who said, that this Brisa is like Rabbi Eliezer. Amalei Rafafa the Rabbaya. Rafafa said to Rabbaya, asked Rabbaya, the Rabbi Eliezer, according to Rabbi Eliezer, who says that when you nullify your Rishos, you are automatically nullifying your house. He Amar Lomavatilna. What if he says, I am not Rafafa, my fuller Rabbanan. And according to Rabbanan, who say, when you nullify your Rishos, you are not automatically nullifying your house. He Amar Mivatilna, mine. What if he says, I am nullifying my house. So what are the two sides of the question? Is it that Rabbi Eliezer holds that when a person is mevatel his rishos in the chaser, he's automatically mevatel his rishos in his house? And this person said, I'm not mevatel my rishos in the house. Or perhaps, Or is it because a person doesn't live in a house without a chatzar. And when he says, I'm not Mavato my house, he doesn't have that power. The chatzar is where they did their cooking and their laundry and where their chickens roamed and where their children played. A house without a chatzar is not a very useful house. And therefore, when you're Mavato, you're shus in the chatzar, you're automatically Mavato your house because your house without the chatzar is worthless. And if a person would say, I'm Mavato my shus in the chatzar, and not Mivatel, my house, we would say there's something wrong with that person, and we wouldn't listen to him, and his house would automatically be Mivatel. So those are the two sides of the question. What is Rabbi Eliezer's viewpoint? Even though this person would say, I do want to live in a house without a chaser, <coughs> it's, it's meaningless. It's nothing. And according to the Rabbana, who say 
that when you are mavato your house, you're, you're, well, I'm sorry, when you are mavato your shus and the you are not automatically mavato your house. The amar mavatil namar, if he says, I am mavato my house, what's the halacha? Is the Rabbanan's reason because they hold that a person who's Mubatel's Hushus in the Chatzir is not automatically Mubatel his house, Baha'i Amr Mubatilna, but this person said, I am Mubatel, O Dilma, or perhaps Tamad Rabbanan Mishum Dua Avi Inish Masalik Nafshi, Agamri, Nibai, Chatzir. Or is the reason that the Rabbanan say when you're Mubatel, your Hushus in the Chatzir, you're not Mubatel your house, because a person would not give up everything he owns, the Havik, the Orech, and become a guest of someone else in his own house. And here, he said, I am Mavato. Therefore, when he says, I am Mavato, he doesn't have that power. Amrlay, so Abaye answered him, Both according to Rebeliezer and according to Rabbanan, whatever will he reveals, whatever will he expressed, that's his will. So according to Rebeliezer, if he was silent, we say his house automatically Mavato with his chatzah. But if he says, I'm not Mavato's house, then he wasn't Mavato's house. And then <clears throat> the people in the chatzah can carry in the chatzah, but not from the chatzah into his house. And according to Chachamim, when he's Mavato, he's Rishus in the Chatzar, he's not automatically Mavato's house, and therefore the default position is that the people in the Chatzar cannot carry into his house, even when he nullified his Rishus in the Chatzar. But if he says, I am nullifying my house, then that's what he said, and then they can carry from the Chatzar into his house. The third thing that Rabbi Eli said had to do with Moror on Pesach. I also heard from Rabbi Eliezer, that you can be Yotze with a Karbalin as Mara. Mara asked, my Karbalin, what is it? Amar Shakish, Atvata Karuziata. It's a vine or a reed that grows around the palm tree. Hadron Allah Hosin Pasch. One can make an arrow and a shitu with anything. Except water and salt. Rashi says, the first Rashi in the Paris, Bakom Arvin Eruvechatsirotumin. So, the second Rashi, Mishtafin B'mavoy, is clear. Shituf Mavoz is to Chatseros as the Eruv is to houses. In other words, if you have a Chatser with multiple houses open to it, they need to make an Eruv to carry. If you have a Mavoy with multiple Chatseros, then the Chatseros need to make a Shituf, a partnership. Again, it's done over food, in order to carry in the Mavoy. And the Mishnah is saying, that this shito, this partnership in the Mavoy, can be done with anything except water and salt. The first Rashi is more difficult. Rashi says that it's talking about Eruv Chatseros, which is an Eruv to permit carrying in Chatseros, and Eruv Tumin, which is an Eruv to permit walking beyond 2,000 Amos, and the Mishnah is saying they can both be done with anything except water and salt. Tosos, the first Tosos in the parak says this doesn't seem right, because we will learn later that everyone agrees an air of chatseros needs to be bread, needs to be bread, and furthermore, as we go through the parak, it will become clear that we have suddenly shifted gears from talking about air of chatseros in the first two chapters to now talking about air of kumin. You may remember when I introduced Masechet, I said that it jumps around and it's not always clear what we're talking about, and this is the first example of that. It's Machokus Rashi and Tosos, whether we are talking about only air of kumin or also air of chatseros. 
continues, If you redeem Pastor Shani and take the money to Shalayim, to buy anything except water and salt. Or it should say, If a person makes a nether not to have benefit from Muslim, he is permitted to have water and salt. An Eruv, you said an Eruv can be made with anything. We'll assume it's not an Eruv Chumin. can be made with anything, even wine for a Nazir, and even Truma for a Yisrael, even though they can't eat it. Sumcho Sumer B'chulin. Sumcho says, for Yisrael, it must be Chulin. And when you make an Eruv for a Kohen, you can put it in a Beta Pras. A Beta Pras is a field where a grave was lost, and it was plowed, and a Kohen's not supposed to enter there, but you can put the Eruv there even for a Kohen. So the Yudomer, Afil Ben HaKvarot, Yudah says you can even put it in the summit. Because you can make Mechitzos to get there to eat the bread. The bread has to be somewhere where a person can get it, and if not, it's not a good Eruv. I, I, last week or the week before, got a question from the Eruv at University of Maryland College Park, run by students there, and one of the students asked me if the Eruv is in the Hillel building, which is locked all summer, and there's a burglar alarm, and you can't get there on Shabbos, is it a good Eruv or not? And as we will see later in the Masechet, the answer might depend on whether disarming the burglar alarm would be a Malacha Doreso or Malacha Durabanan, because there could be a difference. Uh, I told him, move the Eruv somewhere else. Why, why look for difficulty? He really was insistent. He wanted to know, but what's the Halacha? So, the halacha might be that it depends whether it's a mal- it would be malacha doreso or malacha drabana in order to get there. But here we're saying you can put it in a cemetery for a kohen because there is a way the kohen can get there by making mechitzos that will separate him from the grave. We'll stop there. Have a very good time.